Hi, I'm Bill Copeland. Welcome to Copeland's World. Today we have a great guest. His name is Bill Fletcher, and he's going to talk to us about law school to go or not to go. Thanks, Copeland, for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. Could you just tell us uh, sort of what you're doing now and uh, your little path? Sure. So I came to Syracuse in 2010. I was a TA for Copeland in 101, PAF 101. I graduated in 2014, and I decided I'm going to go work for a little while. I moved down to Washington, D.C., and I was working with the Department of Justice as a litigation assistant in their securities and financial fraud unit. So it was a great opportunity to get some real-world exposure to what it was like to be a federal prosecutor. And then I decided I wanted to go to law school. So I initially attended American University and then transferred to Georgetown University. Is that Center. because Georgetown wouldn't let you in right away without <laughs> George, that little trick? <laughs> Georgetown did reject me multiple times. Multiple times. Multiple times. But then when you got the first year of AU, you did well. Yeah, they saw I wasn't a dumbo after all. So then they let you in. They let me in after. So is that a good strategy if you want to get into a better <clears throat> law school? Um, I think it depends on your circumstances, but yes, I wasn't someone who was a good standardized test taker. I also had a good GPA at Syracuse, but I wouldn't say it was a stellar GPA. Did you do well in the LSATs? Um, I did well enough to go to American and have a scholarship for my first oh, year. What was the number, percentile, you know? I, you no I idea, don't right? know. I can because pull I, it up. <laughs> no, I think it wouldn't. It would Look, I wasn't getting into Harvard with that LSAT yeah. score, whatever it was. Okay. So um, are you are you a practicing lawyer now? What do you do? Yeah, so um, I decided that I wanted to be a litigator, and I currently work at a global law firm based in Washington, D.C., and I am a white-collar criminal defense attorney. So, so you defend white-collar crooks? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't call our clients crooks <laughs> or the people uh, I represent crooks. crooks. I help people who are under investigation by the government, both the federal and state governments, uh, including federal agencies. And I help explain to the government the facts that exist and whether or not um, our client is criminally culpable. Were you intent on going to law school when you started at SU? Uh, I was always interested in political science, politics, uh, policy, of course, and law. But I didn't know if I was interested in actually being a lawyer. I think for a long time I wanted to be more involved in policy than law. And then it kind of developed over time through some co-curricular activities, including my PAF 315 uh internship. I worked with the Syracuse Police Department and I saw I was exposed to the criminal justice system and realized like I want to be an attorney. And by the time I graduated from Syracuse, I was pretty convinced I wanted to be, I wanted to go to law school, but I wanted to make sure. And for me, going and getting a job where I was exposed to practicing attorneys at the Department of Justice um, was the best thing I could have done because it confirmed for me that I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to make the investment in myself. I was more serious about it. And because I took my first year of law school extremely seriously, I was able to do it very well in my classes. Oh, that's very interesting. So you would subscribe to the Copelandite principle as the only way to explore careers <laughs> is to actually have experiences where you explore careers. Because you started working for the police department. They gave you the first, and then you kept doing stuff like that. Exactly. I, I think that's right. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in law school, who's an undergraduate student, 
to seriously give some serious consideration to working first. I don't care whether that's as a barista or traveling a little while, but going to law school right after undergraduate is, um, it's not a bad thing if you financially need to for whatever reason, but I think law students who have real world experience after their undergraduate studies have a greater chance and greater likelihood of success in law school, both with their academics and with job opportunities as practicing attorneys yeah. when they graduate so it's from good law school. So it's good to work for a while before you go to law school or any graduate school. I'll put it this way. Everyone in my study group in law school had worked prior to attending law school. None of them were what we call K to JD, which is kindergarten straight to JD. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that worries me when students want to do that without any experience. So you're a defense attorney for white-collar criminals or whatever you want to call them, sure. alleged criminals. Sure. Well, why did you end up there? Why didn't, why, did you, why didn't you go work for the prosecutors? So when I was a litigation assistant, I was at the DOJ. I was working with... DOJ means Department of Justice, right? That's right. Yeah, but you're in I'm Washington. I'm sorry. You I, don't for, know how I to forget. No more acronyms. Washington. I'm sorry. I know Washington. I'm sorry. They're all diseased <laughs> down there. Go ahead. Uh, I was working with prosecutors, and I really loved it, and I was working on financial crimes. And at Syracuse, I had a minor in finance, so I was... I wasn't scared or intimidated by the idea of looking at a balance sheet, which was part of my job um, working with the prosecutors, and I really enjoyed it. But I also realized that there was an opportunity to do good and do well on the other side of the V, the versus in a court case. And I decided that after law school, I was going to go work at a big law firm because there was real training opportunities to get real exposure. Um, so you would never be a public defender because you don't get paid enough. I think at this point in time in my life, when I hope to start a family and own a home one day, I, do, I wouldn't become a public defender right now. So that's a big trade-off. Absolutely. But I think my firm and many law firms have pro bono programs that allow me to both do well as an attorney, but also do good. So could you give us, like in general terms, an example of a pro bono case you, you do? Sure. So I represented a single woman who lived alone who lost her job during COVID, and she was living in a rat-infested home, and her landlord wanted to evict her because she wasn't paying her rent because of the conditions, the squalor that she was living in. And without representation, she probably would have been evicted. But with my firm's help and my help specifically, I was able to make sure that one, the conditions of her home were fixed, but two, she was able to avoid eviction and settle with her landlord. Well, that's very interesting. So um, what, what experience at SU was important in shaping your decisions and your skill level? Uh, I hate to admit it, but probably the public affairs program. And I don't think it's any one thing that you did, but it was more what the program supports. And the program supports students who are willing to get out of the classroom and get some what I think is real world experience. So, for example, I was a supervisor on the University Ambulance Corps, a volunteer organization. I was able to get that job with the Syracuse Police Department and have some exposure to the criminal justice system. And I was able to do different internships and volunteer experiences, including at Nottingham um, as an after school tutor. And I think those types of real world experiences 
I, one, I learned things, which was most important, but two, I was able to put those experiences on my resume and talk about them in interviews when I was looking for jobs when I graduated. And that whole the whole program provided opportunities like that where you know when Copeland tells you you're dumb or stupid it may hurt at first but there's some truth to it and fairness and you can learn how to be a better student and ultimately a better professional when you graduate I remember you as a student and you were a lot of trouble <laughs> and I had trusted you to be the manager of TAs and um I was forced to make many corrections in your behavior. Is that true? That's a generous way to put it, but yes. But And you took it as positive? Absolutely. Or at the time you weren't mad? Yeah, I think at the time it was frustrating to hear that you weren't doing something well. Everyone wants to please and do well um, at their job. But ultimately, you know, when I sat down and thought about it, slept on it, everything you were saying was true. And I needed to take those opportunities to learn from it and correct my behavior or my actions to be better. Now, do you think that today's students and today's even young employees are open to criticism and um, react the way you do? Or do you think that's a problem? You know, I don't want to be the guy who says in my day, we, you know, we went uphill both ways and walked to school through six feet of snow. But I do think that there is a generational shift in comfort levels with constructive criticism. Just a couple of weeks ago, I received constructive criticism from a partner. And it was kind of it reminded me of when I received criticism from Copeland. At first, I was like, oh, this is frustrating. I don't know that, you know, this is accurate. But then I thought about it. I slept on it. And I realized, you know, the partner has a point here. And not only can I correct my behavior, but I can explain to the partner why I think his concerns are valid, what's happening, what's causing those concerns, and most importantly, how I'm going to fix them moving forward. And I think that um, some students still need to learn how to do that. And that's part of what college is for, right? Like part of the college experience is to learn how to be a better rounded whole, um, a well-rounded student. And it includes taking constructive criticism. To answer your question, yeah, I do think that sometimes students don't get that training or don't get that experience of how to do that. Okay. Do you think I'm right to um, bring in people who say don't go to law school and I, don't, and I say don't go to law school? I'll tell you why I do it. It's because too many times they um, take it as a default future. It's easy to say I'm going to go to law school, shut your parents up. So nobody's saying, what are you going to do when you grow up? Uh, and then maybe you got interested in the law because you didn't like blood, so you weren't going into medicine. You didn't like too much math, so you're not going into engineering. So what's the next highest professional sort of status? It's law. And it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like programmed into students. And it also gives them room to not have to worry about it. And they also think it pays well which it used to, um, but not as much. So that's why I um, will always question them about going to law school. You think that's the right approach or what? Yeah, I think if any student is chasing status or prestige and thinks law school and becoming a lawyer is the way to get that status, um, one, they're wrong. And two, I think that's absolutely fair to question them about that. Um, whenever undergraduate students ask me, you know, I'm interested in law school, should I do it? I always say, look, everyone's going to give you advice about that. Copeland might give you advice about that. 
you need to make your own personal decision. Take all of that information in, absorb it, and think about it. Sit down and think about what you want to do with your career. I always, after giving that kind of disclaimer to whoever I'm talking to, I also um, then say I encourage everyone to get some real-world experience, whether it's traveling, whether it's working at your local coffee shop, whether it's working in a small law firm where you work with the attorney as even the receptionist. I think all that has value that will help you think, give, you, give yourself more time to think about whether law school is actually what you want. If you want to make money, go into sales. Yeah, well, obviously, I know. <laughs> sales, and students don't want to go in sales because they don't think that's an honorable profession. It's not a high enough prestige. And it's also a risk-taking thing. Well, see, if you're working in your local coffee shop after you graduate, you can think about whether you want status, prestige, or money, or if you want to do good. And that'll give you the, if you want money, go into sales. Right. But salesmen do good, too. They absolutely do, with their money. And also, they help customers. Absolutely. I think any salesman will tell you that, or woman will tell you that they are trying to solve a problem for their customer. Right. Yeah. So, so do you think you would have been a good salesman? Salesperson? Um, I, I, think, I think so. I think, ultimately, lawyers who are in private practice are, in some respects, a salesperson because they do have to sell their services. We're in a services industry. So you, you did work for the Department of Justice for a while, right? But was, was that like an internship thing, or what was that? So after I graduated, I actually worked for a federal contractor who hired individuals to assist uh, the Department of Justice. So I was working as a litigation assistant, which is kind of like a quasi-paralegal. And I would work with federal prosecutors on building a case and in running an investigation, and then prosecuting and indicting the individuals who were um, alleged to have committed crimes. So I would travel with the prosecutors to different um, towns and countries, and then we would end up in court. So I think in terms of, you know, working for the federal government, I would one day love to go back and potentially be a prosecutor. I also could see myself staying out with my, my firm for a very long time. What about these students who want to get a law degree but don't want to practice law? What do you think of that? I think there are some jobs where it's valuable to have a JD but not, being a pra not be a practicing attorney. I think that law school gives you a lot of tools um, that enables you to make yourself more marketable for certain jobs. But I think if, for example, I wanted to go work as a policy director at a nonprofit agency, I wouldn't encourage that person to go to law school. I think, sure, a JD might help them in their job, but it's definitely not necessary. Um, I think there's better options, whether it's actual work experience or something like an MPA. Do you, do you, do you think, um, sometimes they'll say, well, I want to work in the, I want to be a politician. I want to work in Congress. I want to do that. I want to blah, 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 blah. And then they think they need a law degree that will give them a leg up to work as a staffer, for example, in, on the Hill. You think that? makes any sense or uh look i've never worked on the hill i've interacted i've interfaced with the hill i don't know that the jd is necessary to be a hill staffer sure like you can be an LD, a legislative director for a congressperson um and a jd will absolutely help you but i for if you're going to write legislation right but if you're just going to be a you know a general staffer like a legislative correspondent staffer you definitely don't need a jd so 
anyone can write policy, right? And the public affairs program, while not um, solely focused on policy, I do think when you graduate from PAF, you are in a position to write policy, whether that policy relates to an employee handbook for your company or the policy relates to um, your employer's clients business objectives, you can figure out a way to accomplish different goals, whether it's, like I said, for a client or something internally. Law is very different. You're not creating policy. You're not creating the law, right? I, do, I don't work on Capitol Hill. I don't work for an executive agency that's doing rulemaking. I am instead interpreting the law. So it's much like when you read a policy, what does the policy mean? Law school teaches you how to read the law and understand what the law means. So in terms of how that impacts my day-to-day -day experience, I have to have my JD because I have to be able to understand and interpret the law and understand how that impacts the facts that are applicable to the case and the facts that are applicable to the government's investigation of our client. So without that law school training, I would not be able to do my job. Whereas I think there are plenty of jobs where you don't need to be able to do that. Um, you don't have to be able to interpret the law to do the job. So that's the difference. Well, I think also, I mean, the policy pro studies program is designed to give you the skills to do anything. So going to law school is a more specialized set of tools that you probably wouldn't get, except maybe in one or two policy studies courses. Sure, I think that's generally accurate, you know, as a generalization, which I know you hate. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, it also gives you some hard skills. You just don't realize it at the time when you're in law school and reading cases from the 1900s that seem so old. Uh, but it does teach you to be a critical thinker and be logical and think about steps in a very, um, kind of minute way where you can also see the big picture. So what was the worst thing about law school? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, the reading, writing, and analysis is just, that's what you're doing day in and day out. If you and don't- the volume of it. Yeah, if you don't like being a bookworm in the library for 10 hours, reading case book after case book and reading cases after cases that are in old English, um, law school's not for you. I think the, that part I came to enjoy, so I wouldn't say it was, you know, the worst part, but it was, you know, the worst thing to adapt to. Well, you never struck me as a bookworm when you were a little freshman. I wasn't, but I learned to be one. <laughs> it's very interesting. And that happened because you had these experiences and then you wanted to learn more, so then you had the motivation to be a bookworm. Yeah, law school, the first year of law school is the most important year because your first year um, grades set the tone for everything you're going to do for the rest of your career. And I was fortunate to have some mentors at the Department of Justice, some of those prosecutors I mentioned, and they kind of steered me and set me up for law school and told me what I had to do to be successful. And I went into law school knowing, okay, I'm gonna have to sit in the library for 10 hours at a time reading my cases so I'm prepared for class. And because of that, I was able to do well my first year of law school. That's very interesting. I think adapting to law school, what helped me was <laughs> one, realizing nothing was ever the end of the world, right? Like when I volunteered on the ambulance, I saw people in the worst moments of their lives, and they are sometimes fighting for their life. And that to me is the worst, you know, that's the end of the world for that person. So because that was my baseline, it always helped me understand whenever I had a problem or I was struggling with something, 
I knew it wasn't the end of the world. No one was going to die because I didn't understand a case that I was reading in the case book. And if you have that perspective on things, I think it brings down all the other negative things, the consequences that come out of law school, like the anxiety, the competition, trying to get the best grades possible. When you put those things in perspective, it's not the end of the world. So I think that helped me focus and that allowed me to be a better student because I wasn't, I didn't have the anxiety levels that some other students did. Yeah, I, I think that's very insightful. And I think one of the problems with undergraduates is they're so grade conscious that they give themselves so much anxiety, it prevents them from actually exploring their own interests or learning anything. They just want that grade and they'll just spend the extra time to get it and then They'll be in certain classes where there's a lot of competition, so that gives them more anxiety. I think you're – and I would say most of the law students, when they start, don't have the attitude you just said. They're like killers, right? They're like killers. They want to – they'll even – I, I don't know if this is true. They'll tear, I know where you're going. <laughs> they'll tear pages out of the, out of the yeah. book so the other students can't study those pages. Does that happen? Uh, law school can be a toxic place. I was fortunate to go to law school where I was very close with my classmates and my section was great. But, yes, there are what we call gunners in law school. And there are competitive people who, because of the nature of the grading system and the curve, they are okay with putting others down to bring themselves up. But, um, like I said, I was fortunate to go to great law schools and I – you know, my classmates weren't like that. I think... This is both at AU and Georgetown? That's correct. They weren't like that? I, that's correct. No, that's good. I think in terms of your undergraduate experience, look, I didn't have a 4.0. I definitely didn't have a 3.8. I don't remember what I had, to be honest. Probably like a 3.5 or something. But your GPA isn't the most important thing. One, what matters is how you treat people. They'll remember how you treat them. They won't remember what grade you got on some paper in some class. But then two... I think getting that extracurricular, that co-curricular experience, which will allow you to be a more well-rounded person. I'll take the 3-5 with a ton of great internships and experiences or volunteer experiences over the 4-0 student with nothing but the 4-0 any day of the week. I'd rather work with that person because I know they're going to be someone who understands how to communicate. They're going to be someone who understands how to work in a team. And that's way more important in my day-to-day -day job than the person who understands the law the best and can interpret the law the best. That's great. You've given us tremendous insights. And I hope our listeners, if they're thinking about law school, have learned a lot. And the parents of our listeners and other people, not just about law, but I think your, your philosophy of, of have a goal, have a purpose, and don't compete too much and just relax. I think that's a great message. Life's too short to be in a competition the entire time. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to say it. So thank you very much. Thanks, Copeland. I think you've done a great me. job. You've been listening to Copeland's World, and we just heard a fantastic interview that will help you all succeed. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Copeland's World. For more, visit The Happy Prof on Twitter or Copeland's World Pod. Thank <laughs> you.